0: You're about to get lucky with the Bare Naked Money podcast, the show that gives you the naked truth about personal finance with your hosts Josh Shellick and Colin White, portfolio managers with Barrickend Capital Management Inc. Thanks for joining us for part two of the series Journeys Through Space and Time with Colin and Matt. When last we left the guys, they were discussing all of the events of four years ago, and they had just got up to the point where things had loosened up a bit, and we were able to get out and mingle. Colin had commented that there was a backlog of weddings waiting to happen, and Matt is about to share an interesting tidbit. Please travel along with us.
1: Welcome to the next episode of Bare Naked Money, and we've got a special co-host today, Mr. Matthew Kempton. Matthew?
0: It's funny you mentioned marriages because the next headline that maybe didn't make it into big publications was that I got married in July of 2021, and that was a delayed COVID wedding. (laughs) Uh, this was not planned, by the way. This is truly just coming to them for the first time. So, um, but so many of these weddings were delayed. And of course, we were we were planned for July of 2020, and then had to wait and see what will the rules be. Will we be able to move forward? Make a call. No, we're going to delay. Uh, and just, but that was true in our my very micro case. But this happened across the country, across the globe, and so you know, I think we're mostly caught up now. I think, but it was just very strange.
1: Well, it's funny. I mean, we say we're caught up. I mean, the ripples are going to be felt forever because a global pandemic has changed the direction of humanity. Full stop. So we never get back to anything. We move forward to towards a more, a more current equilibrium, and it may resemble what existed before more, but we, we never get to move back. So there's, there's, there's too many things that are changing going forward. And I really do believe that the technological advancements that were pushed by the pandemic continue to reverberate. And I think that they continue to have a good side and a bad side. Every change depends on how you use it, but it it has changed the water on the beans.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, So now moving into 2022, February of 2022, we get just uh, very, very sad news that Russia has invaded Ukraine, igniting a bloody conflict now. So when that event occurred, where did you think we were headed from there?
1: I mean, my gut was telling me that that's, this is going to be a very major disruption and there were going to be some significant and immediate outfall or out, uh, outcomes from that that were going to be negative because, again, that's got the major disruptions like that can cause everybody just to hold off, right? they can stop economic activity. Why? Well, I'm going to wait till the war is over. Um, so it can be uncertain. And I think early on it was uncertain as to how it was going to resolve itself for sure. Um, and I felt, yeah, there's going to be a disruption here. From an investment perspective, I, I immediately turned to, ooh, what's getting cheap that shouldn't, right? Because these disruptions tend to historically create an opportunity if you're if you're looking for it, for something that is seemingly oversold for no apparent reason. Um, but again, I, I, I'll never stop saying this, not to undersell or underestimate the human tragedy that that was, um, it did stand to disrupt things in a very major way. But it was interesting because even myself, I, I had as close to emotional reaction as I think I'm going to have to say, yeah, this is really bad. Um, Investing-wise, it was, well, no, we're not going to act on that. This is not really, honestly, this is not an investable event, I, I don't think. Um, it may change the fortunes of some businesses, but again, I think if you went out that day and tried to run or try to buy an arms manufacturer of some description, some people maybe would be making those kind of plays, but, um, I, I didn't look at it as an investable event other than it may cause something to sell off. And that was just going to be, if the market sold it off, I will take a look for it, but it's not, Hey, a war happened. Therefore I need to go buy oil stock. It wasn't that. It was, let's see how it plays out. Let's let's take a look at what sells off and how reasonable we think that sell-off is. Uh, so from an investment perspective, that's kind of what it generated. But part of it is trying to figure out, hey, this is the start of World War III. I mean, Russia want, walking into Europe. I, I'm not a history expert, but that that's meant bad things in the past. So it, it could get worse from here. But then I fall back to, well, we've had two world wars and the economy found a way forward. And we're watching that play out. I mean, Russia, for all of being as mean as they are, they started shipping gas again. Why will they need to ship gas? I mean, there's there's a self-interest here. I mean, there's and it's mutually assured that we, we need to continue a certain level of economic activity. Uh, and it's in everybody's best interest. And An alignment of of, of of needs, we both need the same thing, can cause cooperation between two countries that are shooting at each other.
0: No. Yeah, agreed. And you it, take the first stance of a, or a, you, or see analysts take the approach of, well, what percentage of sales might be happening in Russia for any of these businesses? And that's and the mission if they go down by that much. Well, then that's uh, that's an efficient market, but as you say, well, the conflict escalate, and is that even a reasonable approach anyway? And well, how is it investable? Well, great question. And then, so just following that, then we reach, we get into March and central banks finally begin raising rates. So they begin what has become the most uh, most aggressive, one of the most aggressive uh, hiking campaigns we've, we've ever witnessed, but it, it began at that time. What, what paths do you think we were on for well, uh, just generally and then for bonds? What did you think it meant?
1: Well, I, I knew it was going to change the balance for sure, but quite frankly, my initial reaction was about friggin' time. I mean, we've had stupid low interest rates leading into 2008 where I got to believe everybody's just sitting back and waiting for inflation to show up with interest rates at almost zero and inflation wasn't showing up. And I think there was a potential fear or an expectation that raised rates may lead to deflation and deflation is pretty ugly. So they left the rates where they were. So when this happened, is so finally we're raising interest rates. Now, again, they've been late to act and they all admit they've been late to act, but I mean, I'm not sure that that's honest. I don't know that the information was truly compelling enough to raise rates earlier, but yeah, it was. It was bound to happen. And to me, I looked at it as yeah, this is just going to get back to something that I consider more normal. No, having a mortgage at six or seven percent, I consider that more normal because I've seen mortgages in my personal life as high as twenty two percent. So a six or seven percent mortgage, yeah, that's that's more reasonable. And the knock on effect of what that's doing to housing prices and bringing them more in line. And again, we've, we, t- we spoke about that on a recent webinar that we're in a recent presentation we made to clients. It's bringing things back in line. I mean, things drift out of whack and they drift back. To me, this was just things are going to get back to more normal uh, range. And furthermore, the central banks will now have the ability to cut rates again, which can be hugely stimulative at the right moment in time. It's one of those announcements they can make that immediately flushes right through the market, makes everybody more optimistic. They haven't had that. That hasn't been a meaningful tool that they've had for a long time. So they're putting bullets back in the gut, which to me, I think says a lot going forward. So yeah, I, I, I was looking at the same numbers everybody else was looking at, thinking, yeah, this is going to change the balance. And I think we were probably more active from a portfolio management perspective then, because this is, it's not an investable idea, it's an investable event. When, when the rate of return on fixed income changes, then you have to do a, a calculation between that versus an equity investing. So again, not an investable idea, but it's an event that's going to go on that should change how you balance a portfolio.
0: Well, I think that was a good recognition of what was going on because I just pulled the numbers on what's happened in the bond market since that since that of event, I just used the t l t which is a it's a it's a group of u s treasury twenty year bonds so government treasury bonds in the u s of a of a longer duration twenty years it's down thirty three percent since that point in March so to begin to start, uh, so to be maybe underweight bonds at that point, but then recognizing there's a might be a path here to be to be adding to would have been it sounds like that's the the analysis you did.
1: Well, yeah, you, you begin looking at it because again you don't know you don't want to catch a falling knife as they say, but when you see uh, when you see the, the the coupon rates or the effective yields on various investments start to pick up, it's like all right, that's interesting. Again, we've been underweight fixed income for a long, long time. In fact, for many people, they've been underweight fixed income for their entire career. I mean, interest rates were low enough, long enough that there was many, many experienced people who never saw fixed income investing as a thing because it never had been a thing to them. They'd never been out in the real world and had 5 or 6% or 7% or 8% on a, on, on any kind of an investment. That just wasn't part of their lexicon. So there was a reprogramming for sure. And that's... You and I have joked about it. And I gave you the expression: "Those people in this industry who got six months' experience but thirty years in the business—that that's the danger. If you're the kind of person that came in and became really good in a certain environment, but stopped paying attention to the environment and relied on what was successful up until that point, you can crash into a wall pretty hard if you ignore something fundamental like an interest rate change."
0: So we move a bit forward here, and maybe related to that, we had inflation numbers come out. In the U.S., we had inflation hit 9.1% year over year, and we had Canadian inflation, it uh, will exceed 8%. Uh, so at that point, did you think we had peaked? And this, in fact, was the peak. We, we, at that point, we had reached peak, but you know, the trend was was still higher. We're still It was still an accelerating trend here, or increasing at least. Well, where did you see it going from there, and uh, could uh, a soft landing occur?
1: Well, again, I... I... I can't go back and claim any sentience at that moment. I, I know that those were not as high as the inflation rates I've seen in my lifetime. I've I've lived through higher inflation periods. And so I wasn't miffed that how high they had gotten, or they could go higher from there for sure. But uh, Josh off our team has actually got a really good way of explaining the way central banks are behaving. It's like you got a pot of boiling water and you're dumping ice in it to try to bring it back to room temperature. All right. Well, how much ice is going to melt just at the right pace in order to bring that pot of water to exactly room temperature versus making it colder than that by putting too much ice into it. I knew we were in for a fight you know, because again, the, the tools that the central bankers have to use are a little bit blunt. Like they're not surgical. Like they're just basically making money more expensive. That's as blunt as you get. And how quickly that is going to show up in inflation numbers. Like how long does that take? I mean, how many mortgages have to renew before enough people are affected and it affects their consumption in a way that, reduces demand and allows inflation to cool. That's completely unknown. And you've got these competing data sources that all have different legs to them and have different accuracies to them and are being dissected down to four decimal points, trying to figure out what the right number is. And fortunately, I think largely we've avoided the political pressures. I mean, in Canada, has got a little bit different. I mean, there's political pressure starting to show up and that's the worst possible thing. Like you need monetary policy to be a political for sure challenge is is that and right now politicians can stand up and blame Tiff Macklin. As, You're the reason that Canadians can't afford houses. If you left inflation run, everybody would be in a lot more pain. You know, leaving inflation at in 9% would have caused a lot more pain. But again, that's not as politically positive to say. Because right now, the, the all the politicians need to blame central bankers because people can't afford houses. And there's a lot of votes to be gotten there. And unfortunately, it's just not its not genuine. There's you know, what central bankers are doing. Again, they're not out there to cause pain. They're trying to give us a sustainable economy. And if we have to go through a little bit of pain to get there, then that's what adults do. You go through a little bit of pain to sort, sort something out.
0: Right. I mean, that's what they've committed to do as well, is there may be pain here, but we're, this is what we're, this is the objective. And so through 2022, we faced high inflation, we faced increasing interest rates, and we reached October. And a Bloomberg consensus offers a one hundred percent chance of a recession in twenty twenty three How did you feel when you started hearing those predictions?
1: i no, i, I go back to I'll go back to January of twenty twenty How many predictions in January of twenty twenty worked out you know to to sit here and say there's hundred percent certainty if a nuclear bomb goes off somewhere next year or Vladimir Putin's body shows up in a ditch or any one of a number of single events can cause a ripple. That's going to dramatically shift the trajectory of everything next year. So, and we've also gotten funky about how we define recessions. Like we've actually seen a technical recession in the U S which I didn't know a technical recession was a thing. And I'm not sure if the Canadian numbers have confirmed it, but it looks like Canada flirted with one, a couple quarters at zero, maybe slightly negative. Um, but one of the, one of the big anomalies right now is the jobs market hasn't gotten weak. Like we still have a really strong jobs market, which it's difficult to say we had a recession because that's supposed to feel bad. But if everybody's still working to make money, how bad should we feel? Uh, so I think personally that this is what a soft landing feels. You brought this up earlier. A soft landing just feels uncomfortable. Like it's, it's like you're, you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And again, I use the analogy of my teenage son trying to sneak into the house late at night. I'm waiting for him to come home. So he came through the door and shut the door and I could hear him come in the house. Okay, I know this is over. He's trying to sneak into the house. What was that click? What was that noise? And all of a sudden you sit up in bed and you're listening more carefully. You know, we're actually looking harder to find a recession now because you know we think, there might be, we, we think we should have one in order to get out of where we are. So we're now paying a lot of attention trying to find the recession. Honestly, we may not really see any kind of a major recession and drift out the other side of this. That's... That's almost the null hypothesis, right?
0: Well, exactly. And so since that expectation of a 100% chance of recession, I mean, here in twenty we've had an economy do better than expected, though cooled somewhat. Stocks, stock markets, bond markets are up. Inflation and rates have likely peaked and are, are trending lower. Unemployment remains quite low, though it's picked up a little okay. bit. So have we found this, have we entered into a Goldilocks period uh, Potentially, we have. Well, yeah,
1: I I think that it's difficult to paint a really dire picture from here that something is going to be absolutely terrible. I think that we're drifting towards something that's going to be pretty boring. And so we're always going to be looking for what's going to disturb that. One of the things I think is gradually working itself out is the housing issue in Canada. I mean, I'm seeing way more houses being built. At the end of the day, that's what's going to fix this. All of the rest of the hoo-ha that we're going on about and government programs and tax advantages, providing tax incentive to buy houses when there's just not enough houses to buy, just drives up the prices of the houses that are there. But you know, I th- I've more recently seen more policy changes, both federally, provincially, and municipally, that are going to help this things along. And it takes a while for us to build a few million new homes, and that that takes allocation of capital, and that takes available job force, and that takes approvals being given by municipalities to build pro- build things. So. I think that's also cleaning itself up, but it's not going to be, oh my God, we we have enough houses now. It's, there's going to be no proclamation. I mean, nobody's standing on the deck of an aircraft carrier. Mission accomplished. That's not how these things unwind. It's just gradually over time, it gets better because it's gotten out of whack and we've taken some action. It'll sort itself out. But while by the time it sorted itself out, we'll be on to the next thing. We'll be concerned about green energy or we'll be concerned about climate or we'll be concerned about Another geopolitical China is going to go into Taiwan next week, or we'll be concerned about something else when this falls off the radar.
0: Well, it's never boring. And that's what's so great about this. Is that there's in something to orient or something to opine on, which I which I think you appreciate.
1: Well, it's this it's kind of like playing whack-a-mole. Like, you know, these yeah. little things stick their head out of the water and you get crack it over oh. the head and it goes down right. and you look that's for the next right. mole to come up, right? So
0: in that walkthrough there, were there any key events you, you wanted to speak about or you thought I'd bring up that I didn't?
1: No, I think we, we we walked through it pretty well. I mean, what I'm hoping to highlight for people is try to think back to all how certain you were when everything shut down. Oh, the global economy is going to suck. The stock market is going to crash. Remember how sure you were that that was going to happen. And then take a look at how it turned out. Remember how sure you've been all these times because what you really should be developing over time is a little bit more humility. And because being very, very sure of things is how you blow money up. We, we always balance risk. It's always a matter of this is likely to happen, but we're going to hedge our bet because we might be wrong and we need to include that in possible outcomes. And again, making money is not about hitting the one right thing. It's about not blowing it up. So if you can steer around and not blow up your money, then you get to keep it and you get to keep moving forward. So it's not like we're going to go to cash right now because just stop it. There's just no way to accurately predict those moments in time. And, Stop being so confident and have an advisor you can talk to who talks sense to you. If you want to talk about things for sure, having anxiety is real. Listening to the news and getting upset is real. And you should have somewhere you can turn to have somebody give you the other side or explain things to you or guide you because it's way too easy to get emotional. So try to remember all the times you were sure about things and were wrong and stop being so sure about things.
0: Well I thought this would be useful for that just to hold uh, to, to test ourselves and how to reach you up these times because uh, it, your memory hindsight is an interesting thing and where you uh, where you thought you saw things going and now where you can claim them to is, is fascinating so it's good to the journal to hold yourself true and, and for me my takeaways from this is that well we're poor forecasters of a complex world um, but people are people are resilient and collectively we we truly are and that Maybe we are more similar than, than we all realize and, uh, in our desires and our behaviors and our emotions. So these past four years have been a very interesting time. I think there'll be many movies, books, studies done, uh, more to come on just what we've been through, maybe much more, but more we will be facing here and um, how we maybe can learn going forward, though we, we tend to have short memories when it comes to it. It's
1: called recency bias, and there's a whole list of biases that people, you know, fall prey to for sure. But listen, I think one thing has been true my entire career, and I'm going to expect it to be true for the rest of my career: the global economy can find its way forward. It's endured world wars, it's endured all kinds of political strife, and oil shortages and energy shortages, and we were going to run out of oil, and it's endured lots of things. The global economy is the grand sum total of of the globe's ability to move forward, and that has never failed. And if it does fail, the fact that your account might not be doing well when that happens is probably small news. We're back in caves hitting each other with sticks. So there's the the happy, happy good time news.
0: Well, I think that's a great place to sign off from. And and I I really enjoyed this discussion. It was a great one, especially because we, we didn't work together through this period, so I truly didn't know your answers here or, or how you felt through these, uh through these events and so this has been uh, a great exercise and uh, a great
1: chat well matt thanks for bringing your uh, your perspective to the table it's all it's always great to have a fresh smart perspective on things and to have somebody to bounce things off on so hopefully there was some stuff here for our listeners to uh, to learn from and maybe reflect on their own reaction to these events over time and maybe we've made the world a better place right
0: i think we have
1: Thanks, Maybe
0: everybody. Maybe again. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Matt. All right.
0: Thanks, call. If you're breaking a sweat
1: trying to figure out what your financial advisor is talking about, you're not getting the service you need. You probably hate trying to get an answer from them, but you also think moving your accounts will be a headache, and it might be. But working with don'trocktheboatwealthplanning.com or .ru isn't exactly stress-free, is it? Call us. We will demystify the world for you. American Capital Management Inc. is a registered portfolio manager in all of Canada except Manitoba. So sorry, Manitoba. Nothing in this podcast should be considered as a solicitation or recommendation to buy or sell a particular security. Statements made by the portfolio managers are intended to illustrate their approach and are meant for information and entertainment purposes only.
0: This should not be construed as legal, tax, or camping advice. This podcast has been prepared for information purposes only. The tax information provided in this podcast is general in nature, and each client should consult with their own tax advisor, accountant, and lawyer before pursuing any strategy described herein as each client's individual circumstances are unique. We've endeavored to ensure the accuracy of the information provided at the time that it was written. However, should the information in this podcast be incorrect or incomplete, or should the law or its interpretation change after the date of this document, the advice provided may be incorrect or inappropriate. There should be no expectation that the information will be updated, supplemented, or revised, whether as a result of new information, changing circumstances, future events, or otherwise. We are not responsible for errors contained in this podcast, or to anyone who relies on the information contained in this podcast. Please consult your own legal and tax advisor.